It's hard to find a great mentor who can help me level up. My dream mentor, Stephen Curry, Simone Biles, episode 38. I was really excited that they have a class on Masterclass. With Masterclass, you can learn from the best to become your best. For just $10 a month, an annual membership with Masterclass gets you unlimited access to every instructor. And you can access Masterclass on your phone, computer, or even in audio mode. If you want to improve your physical and mental well-being, or if you want to build stronger relationships with renowned psychotherapist Esther Perel, go to Masterclass. Esther Perel's class has really been helping me build stronger relationships, and my friend Robin Roberts's class is helping me really expand my communication skills on the podcast and also in life. Plus, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Right now, our listeners get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash hard things. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash hard things. Birds are singing. The sun is out. Spring has sprung. Has your wardrobe followed suit? If not, you can get a refresh with Bombas, my favorite brand for socks, tees, and underwear that also has an amazing mission that we support wholeheartedly. Because for every incredible comfy item that I get from Bombas, they match with a donation to someone who is unhoused. Get comfy this spring and give back with Bombas. Head over to bombas.com slash hard things and use code hard things for 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash hard things and use code hard things at checkout. And to be loved, we need to be known. Welcome to We Can Do Hard Things. Today, um, especially, Abby can do hard things. So, Pod Squad, we have tried over time to share with you what kind of the personal journeys each of us is going through Mm -hmm. and give you updates about that. You know, mine over time has been um, recovery from anorexia and embodiment this last couple of years. Sister has been on an ongoing journey to determine the role that joy and peace and relaxation and full humanity will play in her life as opposed Spoiler to- Spoiler alert, it's not much. <laughs> Yet. Minor. Yet. Very minor role. It's a journey. It's a journey. <laughs> the longest journey starts with a single- well, spreadsheet in your case. <laughs> Abby has recently been, I actually think many things led to this, one being our episode with Suzanne Stabile, mm-hmm. who told you that since you're a seven, maybe you don't dive much into the harder sides of emotion, that you tend to stay on the sunny side of things, that mm-hmm. you're a positive patty, that you are <laughs> constantly trying to mold situations to look at the bright side. Yes. The episode is 226. It was the Enneagram episode we did with Suzanne Stabile. And it's amazing. Go back and listen. So she convinced you, along with many other things at that time in your life, it wasn't just that, but convinced you that maybe you would benefit from exploring the harder emotions and the other side of being human. 
you have started therapy and started to explore other emotions than positivity, like Mm -hmm. sadness and anger and pain. And we just want to know, how is it going? Has it been worth it? What are the benefits? Why did you decide to do it? Where are you right now? Well, I think for some context, when you decided to go down and into the road, onto the road of therapy, I had a front seat to kind of watch you explore that part of yourself and dedicate yourself to the consistency of therapy week after week. Um, And because I knew what you were doing and how vulnerable that was and how hard that was, it gave me confidence to even want to think about, think about going to therapy. Mm -hmm. Um, I've been in therapy many parts of my life, just different. I just have never really had like a consistent practice. It was always, I was having a big issue that I needed to deal with. And so I would go to therapy, talk about it. But watching you kind of go through this experience over the past consistent 12 months, I've seen a considerable benefit. There have been a lot of things going on in my personal life, professional life, in our life, in our family life, that it felt like it was just becoming unmanageable. Mm-hmm. I think we all, a lot of us use our marriages in some ways to like work through a lot of our problems. Mm-hmm. And you're very, mm, you're very that's good. That's a thing. Yeah. And I know that you and I are very good at processing and working through stuff. But I also know that that has limitations, not only because neither of us are clinically (laughs) licensed to do this, (laughs) but I think having these conversations with somebody that isn't involved in any of my drama is like really important. So you were having challenges in the professional realm, family of origin realm. Yes. Raising teen, young adults realm. Yes. Or those pretty much the realms. Yeah, I don't know if there are any other realms in my life. Friendship realms. Friendship yeah. realms. Friendship, yeah. friendship realms. Yeah. So how was that different, Abby? Because I'm interested in a couple of the things you said, like how you had been to therapy other points in your life. And then you use the word all of these things happening, making it unmanageable. Was that a new feeling for you? Yes. Like, was that a, a rocking moment to... Because you are, you are like, I got it. I'm on it. Nothing can phase me. Here I go. Yeah. Kind of a human. Yeah. What did that feel like to feel like it was unmanageable? And was that a new feeling for you? Yeah. Well, because for more context, the times that I had been in therapy before, my life had fallen apart. I was an addict. Um, I had heartbreak. Like my life not only was unmanageable, I was unable to actually live in it. And so I felt like I had to, it was like a forcing. Mm -hmm. This circumstance was different because everything on, not only on the outside, but even on the inside was like, it was fine. It was, it was fine. I was, I was doing everything I needed to do. You know, bills are paid. Kids are off to school in the the right time. It was okay. My life was okay. Mm. It was like the other things when you have like the divorce or the addiction, yes. you can point to that thing and be like, that's the problem. Yes. And now I need help dealing with that little tangled web. But yeah. when you're in it and you're just like, everything is fine, but everything is terrible. Yeah. It, that's it a was very different. Thing. And yeah, there were just like a few crises, but they were minor in the grand scheme of what I thought therapy was for. And I think that that like, for me, it was, that's really important. But 
but watching Glennon go through the, this last year, yes, maybe hers was a specific crisis and her life was hard to get her into that therapy. But for me, I was like, well, I don't think it could hurt. And when we had that podcast with Suzanne, I don't know, she just put this little nugget inside mm-hmm. of my heart. And it was like the thing, I just, as soon as she said it, I just had this sinking feeling in my stomach. What did she say that gave you the sinking feeling? She said, well, you need to really work on and get into your shadow side. And it was like the truest thing that anybody has ever said to me because mm. I've known Ooh. it. I've known it all along. Ah. I've like deep down have been avoiding it at all costs on purpose. <laughs> and what did that mean to you when she said your shadow side? Was that uncomfortable feelings? What did that mean to you? I think that I interpreted it as my anger. Uh, Ah. Yeah. I think that I have, for every reason, for every good reason, the life that I have lived in, I didn't have a lot of time or space or the financial stability to, this is how I thought. Mm -hmm. This is not true, but this is what I believed. In order to create the life that I created, I could not focus my attention on my anger. I think that I was afraid. I think it has everything to do with attachment. Mm-hmm. And I, I have been very afraid to touch anger because I think that to me, it threatens my attachment to the people right. that I love. So when I was growing up, we were not allowed. We were told not to cry. Um, we were not allowed to like bring a kind of energy into the, the, the fullness of a room and change the energy of that room. Wow. We had yes. to assimilate, I mm-hmm. guess, in a way. And then I go off into locker rooms after locker room after locker room. That is a very similar mentality mm-hmm. around don't be the one that rocks the boat, fit in kind of deal with whatever happens, but you have to make the best of it because it, it was my life. So by, by virtue of necessity, I think that I have buried all of my anger. And I think that it definitely has made me a half person. Mm. And I have felt that way a lot in my life. Like I have felt split and I thought it was because I lived two lives. But I think more the more therapy that I'm doing, it's because that I never really lived into the fullness of myself. Mm. And so it's just been a very fascinating, you know, it's like every therapy, the beginning of therapy that a lot of us get into, you don't think anything's happening, right? The first couple of weeks, I'm like, I don't know. You're you know? like, I just, I'll talk to you. Yeah, like, well, because I feel you like- You won't charge me. I can just talk to you. You say good stuff. <laughs> yeah. Not only do you say good stuff, but you know more about me. So like but getting- that's why we can't do it with each other, right? Like yeah, yeah, we know yeah. each other too well. We think we know each other. Like how our son told us that he has an artist friend and the artist friend told him that you can't paint a portrait of someone you know super well, well. Oh, interesting. Like you don't do it right. Totally. But I think it's like frustrating having to, to tell a stranger mm. the whole Ugh. of my story. Cause how can they understand all of the complexities? But that is the reason why it's so important is because they don't know the complexities because the oh complexities 
are beliefs that I have brought to the table. Yes. They're like all of the the trauma and the beliefs about the things that happened. The stories is, you've told yourself. Is what I feel, what you know, because I've told you. Yes. She doesn't have these. I know. And so she's been able to listen and I've had to, over the many, many months I've been in therapy with her, try to relate my story to her. And and she's very good at being like, okay, is that, is that true? Do you believe that? We talk a lot about nonviolent communication in terms of setting boundaries. Cause a lot, a lot of what I struggle with is confrontation mm. and having like a hard conversation with somebody around something that I feel or some hard emotion that I'm feeling around whatever's happened. That to me feels like, nope. Is it because of what you learned when you were little? If I bring them a hard thing, why would they stay? If I bring them a sad thing, if I bring them an angry thing, if I bring them something, a a preference, a boundary, they're going to leave. Like, why would I be more trouble than? Of course. And so I guess we're just going back to like the two, two weeks after this, this therapy started, I started to allow some of the anger, some sadness, just the, the not popular emotions. (laughs) (laughs) The not pleasing, the people pleasing. pleasing. Yes. I remember those early weeks. Yeah. And you actually, one morning you said to me, babe, are you okay? And that was not a good moment of mine. And let's explain why. I, you can explain that part. Well, looking back on it. Okay, so I'll set the scene. So it was like for a few weeks, like I would wake up and it, it was like I went from living with Little Miss Sunshine to living with like the devil. <laughs> In, a, yeah. in the sweetest way, like I'd wake up, I'd wake up in the morning and like upstairs would, she'd be like the coffee machine. And God you guys, damn it. Yeah. Yeah. That would, that's you. God damn it. I was so, I think I was scared. I, I was, I, I understood that something important was happening, but I had a moment of that I think happens when two people are surrendered to a growing experience. It's like, I want you to get better. I, your partner, want you to get better and experience the full humanity. But hold on a second. Not like that. (laughs) And do I? And like tamp this shit down because where's my sunshine? Like I was with my, are you okay? I was trying to control you. I was like, oh, no, no, no. This has gone too far. Like, let's get back to Little Miss Sunshine. And reinforcing her fear thing, which is that if I act in a way that isn't sunshine, it is going to alienate me from the people that I love. Exactly. Yeah. Right into the heart of that. Yeah. Interestingly enough about that, I knew what you were doing. I knew you were covertly trying to get me to be happier or whatever you were trying. I knew what your intention was by that question, but it actually forced me to really ask myself, am I okay? Yes. And though I know maybe it was kind of the design of the question might not have been perfect. It was really important that you asked me that with the undertones underneath it 
because I had to be like, wait, what is this work for? This is like complicating my living situation. Am I okay? And I had never asked, I guess I had never experienced feeling the anger of my life or, or myself inside. And then asked myself, wait, I'm okay. I think that I equated anger mm. with not okayness. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's the evidence is in if you were okay, you wouldn't be mad. So what did so you, you notice? You can't be both mad and okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, I am okay. I am I am able to feel anger and I am also at the same in the same breath able to be okay. I'm oh okay God. with this. That's so huge. Yeah. You were able in that moment to say, I am both angry and okay. I have anger. Yes. That's Not right. That's I right. am anger. That's right. That's right. I have anger right now. Yes. And I am something else. Yes. And I am okay. And I was able to be like, oh, I am living with anger in my house <laughs> and I am okay. No, there's a reason why yeah. I have chosen partners who don't show anger. I grew up in, in a house that had a lot of anger in it. Yeah. And so when anger is near me, it's triggering. I, you're not okay. I'm not okay, except that I am. So did so you we both you, realize we were okay? That's really fascinating. Yeah, I um, I think that throughout my life, I felt like I was going to have to do this on my own, you know. And being okay was that was it. That was that is all I needed to be. Like mm. I need to be okay. And I think that the belief that I had around if I'm angry and that equating to not being okay, it was like, well, I can't do that. That's a no fly zone mm -hmm. for me. So that was like a really important moment. And, and then to just go a little bit further, because I haven't over the whole of my life really accessed anger as much, I would bury it down because mm. it was there. I was, I was feeling it, but I was not expressing it. Mm -hmm. And so I'd bury it and then it would start stacking and stacking and stacking and it would lead me to blow up very mm -hmm. rarely, but I would blow up and I would, it would take me down. And at odd times. Very odd times. Like it would be the weirdest thing. It would be the, like the straw, right? That, that broke the camel's like back. Like you'd take a, the wrong exit off of the highway and it was like the end of the world. Yeah. And or I'd be pissed for be the hungry. next. Yes. Ooh, hungry. If you were hungry. That's a whole different story. So angry. That's a whole, I think okay. a whole different, different psychological okay. discussion, but mm -hmm. yes. And so now that I've, I'm starting to express my displeasure or distaste or unhappiness or um, anger or sadness or whatever. I'm saying some of these things more vocally. I still am probably not perfect, but I'm trying my best to say things. I realize now that when I say them, they don't, they don't last. Mm. There's like a, it comes up, I experience it, I vocalize it, and then it goes away where before I'd let it pile up, something would set me off and then I would stay angry mm. and upset and I'd be like mad at myself because mm. here I am now not okay. Mm. So it was like the shame cycle and spiral that I was, that I would experience when in fact I would blow up in a rage of some sort. Mm -hmm. So that's been really interesting because I'm able to say it and let the emotion kind of move through me. Mm -hmm. 
Quick math. The less your business spends on operations and multiple systems, the more margin you have and the more of your hard-earned money you get to keep. But with higher expenses than ever on things like materials and distribution, everything just costs more. That's why smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. You'll reduce IT costs, you'll cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems, and you'll improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move, and expenses don't slow down, so why should you? By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash hard things, netsuite.com slash hard things. That's netsuite.com slash hard things. Can I say one thing on about the background of this? Because the Suzanne piece that you're mentioning is so interesting. When you say the shadow side and the dark emotions, the way that she described it to you, that your face turned 14 different colors of recognition. (laughs) She was talking about how folks like you, specifically in this context, sevens, just learn very early and your natural inclination is anything that happens, if it even if it looks to other people like disappointing or tragic or upsetting or whatever, that your instinct is to immediately reframe that you're just constantly reframing, oh, that thing, oh, here's the good part about that, or this is why it looks looks like a bad thing, but here's why it's a good thing. And constantly this like cycle of that over and over and over. And no one ever wants you to change that because it's very convenient for the people around you. But then you don't change that until the one thing that you can't reframe. And then she said, and then all of everything falls apart and you have to go back and grieve all of that. Yeah. So are you having a process now or are you yet at the period where you are grieving all of it? She said that it's not just forward looking, but like when you accept things in your life and you're like, I'm not trying to reframe that, that thing that happened, that's shitty. And I'm going to name it as shitty and I'm going to let it flow through me. Are you still at that phase or are you yet feeling like you're going back and like grieving all the shit that you never were able to because you were constantly reframing it as something kind of good? Yeah, I think I'm still in the process of like pulling up all Mm -hmm. of the things that I have a story around that Mm -hmm. was hard, sad, angering. Um, Mm -hmm. Because I think what, in the process of the reframe and then in the process of the analysis of that reframe over the whole mm-hmm. of my life has made me, I think, skew the truth. Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And so I think that the truth is what I'm after mm-hmm. as a kid who's 17, 18 years old and has to go out into the world and now feels like I have to make my own life for my own self there are really good stories I think that I have told in order to prop myself up as the hero of my story. There are really true stories that also make that true. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
there are some hard truths of my my story that I think in the end I will I will understand as the truth. But I am trying to go back and and examine all the relationships that I've had in my life that have impacted me. And what I am realizing, and the last session I had with my therapist is about my relationship with my parents, my parents getting older, all of the things that go along with having a full life with, with two parents. I think it's been fascinating because the expectations that I have had on my parents have been unmet. And those were expectations that I levied on them. They have been the same people all the way through. And I'm hurt because I think I hurt myself. So you were bright-siding them. I was bright-siding my parents. And that caused a gap between what is and yes. what you were wanting them to be. Yep. With your positive spin on them. Yes. And that gap was suffering. Yes. And, and I think the responsibility in my therapy and for myself and for my future is to claim what I own in the way that my relationships, whether it's my parents or friends or past people I've dated, whatever, I haven't held as much responsibility as I needed to in the way that those relationships have unfolded because I have put expectations mm. on these people mm -hmm. that were impossible for them to meet. It's a really fascinating way to protect yourself. Yeah. It's also the Whoa. shadow side of being a positive patty because yeah. it's that thing where hope is dangerous. Hope is what we put on. I put on you because I think you can be better than this. Yeah. You, I see your best self. Yep. I see you're this thing. And they're not meeting that. Mm -hmm. You did that to them. That's right. It's on me. Yeah. It's like a self-fulfilling prophecy of being alone. Mm. And then I get to create the story around why that all happened. Mm -hmm. This person was this way. That person was that way. And I think it was just impossible expectations. Because so, people were telling me all along who they were. Yeah, yeah. My parents have been telling me all along who the, they have never deviated from themselves. <laughs> they didn't sign on to your improvement plan. No. <laughs> and that is fine for them. Yes. But I have been carrying this. Look at me. I'm over here self-helping myself and, you know, pushing myself and ambitious and wanting more for myself. And I cannot put that on my parents. They have chosen the life that they have and the, the life that they wanted. Yeah. But I have put on a hope for love, a hope for my relationships with my parents that for whatever reason was just not possible. And that is my responsibility to own. Do you feel angry about it now? Now that you're letting go of the bright siding of your family of origin, you're, you're not pushing them to be something that they are not. Mm -hmm. Is there a process of looking at the truth of things and grieving what actually always was? 
Yeah, I'm not at that stage yet. I'm trying to go through this process of thinking about myself as that like eight-year-old little girl Mm. where I think a lot of this was imprinted on me Mm -hmm. in terms of what I needed to do to survive. There was a part of me that needed to do all of this to survive. Yes. And I have to honor that little girl inside of me that was so scared and was trying her best and didn't know and wasn't really educated about this stuff and didn't have the capacity and was was fighting for her life. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. being a professional soccer player, there is a selfishness and a narcissism that I thought I needed to have in order to be the best at it. And whether that's true or not is irrelevant at this point because that's what I thought I needed. That's the person that I had to create in order to be in that world. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you couldn't ask too many questions and you couldn't have too many needs and you couldn't have too many feelings because there was somebody behind you exactly. that would do the job, that would show up if, they, if you didn't have needs. And the Very same true. thing happened in your family. Yeah, When you have a huge family like that, that's not deeply into emotions. You walk into a room, you can't start telling your needs. No. You can't start crying. You will get sent to your room. That's right. So you, it was a very real, if I show up with needs, I will be banished. Yeah. Which is what attachment is is based on. Yeah. Yeah. This is like probably the, the biggest work of my life mm. that I've been avoiding for a long time. Um, and I know that I needed to feel really stable and grounded. I mean, one of my therapy sessions, you know the story, um, but it makes me chuckle every time because she just asked me, well, do you trust people? It seems like with your childhood and um, the life that you lived, seem in the way that you are operating, I, I'm curious about trust and how you trust people. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I trust people. And she's like, like with your life, with everything, to know you completely. And that was a really confronting question to me because I haven't touched this part of myself to really even know if somebody would accept all of these parts of me. Wow. You know? And so I had to, (laughs) I mean, it still makes me laugh. She's like, okay, so who do you trust? And I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, well, of course I trust Glennon. And so I was like, I was on a Zoom with this woman and I'm like, well, I trust. Um, so I trust my, I trust, I trust my wife. And she's like looking at me weird. And I'm like, <laughs> I can't say it out loud. What the fuck? Cause it was like, it was too vulnerable. Too scary. I was too Ooh. scared to say it, not to you, to her. I was like. What the fuck? What felt so vulnerable about it? If I said it out loud, it was real. And if it was real? Then it could be taken. Then it could be taken away. <sighs> and so that we, I got off the call with, that, with my therapist and I came upstairs and I sat down and I said, <laughs> do you remember this? Yes, I was in the middle of, I was like doing an email and she sits down next to me. She goes, I didn't even know she'd just had therapy. Okay. I'm just like trying to get through my day. I'm sitting at the computer. She walks up. She sits down next to me. She goes, I trust you, Glennon. (laughs) I was like, me too, babe. Me too, babe. Just finishing this email. She's like, no, 
I trust you and starts crying. I'm like, what is happening? It was just such a big deal to me. And do you just trust me? And in that moment, because trust can mean so many different things to so many different people. In that moment, were you defining trust as, I believe I could bring to you my anger, my shame, my weakness, all the things, and you would stay? Yes. Right. Yeah. And I will also be super honest that four seconds after I said it, look, I'm early in therapy, folks, so don't judge me for this. I said, but you're not going to leave me, right? Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're still like, you won't ever leave me, right? I was like, I don't even know what's going on. She's like, I'm just, just on Zillow this over here. incredibly disruptive <laughs> confession that I trust you. I need you to tell me that you're not going to leave me. about how delicately you hold your baby, you dress your baby, and you feed your baby. We do that because they're adorable, of course, but also because their skin is delicate. Know this. There is only one diaper brand that we recommend to give you the gentle protective care your little one needs, and that's Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Their Swaddler's diaper absorbs wetness better versus the leading value brand, and provides up to 100% leak-proof skin protection to keep your baby's skin dry, healthy, and beautiful. And when you use swaddlers in tandem with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes, you'll keep your baby's skin healthy. The wipes are made from 100% plant-based cloth, and you won't have to worry about tearing. With Free and Gentle, mess meets its match. That's right. So download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. You know what I was just thinking, babe, is when I think about all the ways that you used to allow your anger to come out, none of it had to do with people. You only let your anger come out about things, yeah. about machines that broke in our house, yep. about um, car situations, Inefficiencies. traffic, yep. food. Yep. But if I brought up anything with a person or relationship like, and said, doesn't uh, that piss you off? You'd be like, oh, yeah, but they're trying to blah, 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 blah. Yep. Oh, yeah, but blah, blah, blah. Like, it was always a reframe if it was about a person because things can't leave you. Yeah. You can bring your feelings to things because they won't go. Yeah. I mean, this is the truth. I want to be the kind of person that doesn't have these problems. <laughs> but Amen. I, but I also want to be the kind of person, more than that, that has these problems and can have the most grace for myself. Oh. And that is what I'm trying to bridge. I'm trying to bridge that gap because... I know all of us have so many problems that we work through on a daily basis and the world is throwing shit at us every single day. And I guess this is this whole like path I'm walking right now is truly about loving my whole self and not being afraid of myself. I think that there's a part of me that is afraid 
not only of, of losing people, but like that I am unlovable and, and God, I just want to fucking, I just want to once and for all feel like I love myself Mm. and that I am not in jeopardy because of that love of anything. Mm. That is my dream for myself that Mm. I've just learned so many fucked up messages through that my life about humanity and people and we all do but my god that should be something that is just innately in me and I feel like such a failure for not even be able to like I know I'm a good person but how could I not love myself like why is that so fucking hard for me and it's not fair and I'm just like I just feel disappointed because it feels like the work of my life and I don't I don't know I don't know when I die I don't know if I'm gonna just like know Mm -hmm. that I have this love and I think that this has a lot to do with my fear of death because it feels like such an impossible mountain to climb and and it's like how do you do that how do you I love so big and how can it be impossible it doesn't feel right it doesn't it feels like there's like a glitch in the matrix for me that I I don't have the the makings of being able to actually love myself enough that I am not afraid that people might leave me, that I am not afraid of dying, that I am not afraid of existing in some ways. It's just so fucking annoying. And I don't know, like, I think that there are a lot of people that think, I mean, I do understand therapy is so fucking expensive. And and that is a huge privilege that I get to have to be able to like, go and talk to somebody for 50 minutes. And it feels strange to be in this body and to have this spirit and to feel like I don't have that part of me that other people have. Mm-hmm. Feels like I was born without it or something. Mm-hmm. And it's been like this thing that's eating at me for my life. It's frustrating and sad and I'm, I'm so angry. Because I feel like I've I have a problem I have a something wrong with me. Tell me what the thing that's wrong with you is. Are you this the self love goal, which is so beautiful when you're talking? I'm thinking about that Raymond Carver poem that says, "And did you get what you wanted on this earth? And what was that? To feel myself beloved, like you just want to feel yourself beloved on this earth." By myself. Like by I yourself. want I want to feel yes. beloved by myself. Yes. When you worry about something being wrong with you, it's so interesting because this is what you know very well has always been my challenge. Like something's wrong with me. Do you see how 
it would be possible that a kid who's born into a family where their emotions are shut down, which by the way, was a lot in that generation, and you were not allowed to bring your full self to the table. So part of you was banished. And then you entered the spiritual realm, which was church, where you were told by the people in charge, just like you were told by the people in charge in your home, that the part of yourself that you weren't showing was bad. And if you showed it, you would be banished and sent to hell. And then you got into sports where only strength and only power is allowed to be shown. And if any weakness or vulnerability is shown, you're banished and you're kicked off the team. Do you see how it would be not just possible, but inevitable that having lived that life, you would believe over time. You would have had to be insane not to believe that there was a part of yourself that was unacceptable for public consumption and that was uh, bad and evil and unlovable. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. I get why I am the way that I am. Okay. So you don't think that it's something wrong with you, but you do think that it's something wrong with you because that's what you were taught. Yeah, but here's the thing. This is where I kind of go in circles around this concept because I understand the landscape. I get it. But it feels like the one thing you're not supposed to lose. It feels like... Mm. It feels like breath. Mm. And how could I be how could I be doing this all with no breath? Like self-love feels like yeah. breath. That is right. And we all lose it. We all lose our breath. It just is like, I don't know, like we can we can scratch the surface of all of these things. We can even go deep down, but like at the end of the day, like that's what this is about for me. Mm-hmm. I I'm scared to feel anger. I'm scared to be in confrontation. I'm scared to threaten my attachment. I'm, I can go through all of the things. And at the end, it's like, what, what is going to give? What do I need to do? Mm-hmm. Because I don't hate myself. That's not what we're talking about. I just mm-hmm. don't think that I, I, I have never, I don't know if, if it's something you can develop. What would it feel like to you, Abby? Like, if we don't know how to get there yet, and that's fine, can we cast a vision of what it would feel like if you knew you were beloved to yourself, it would feel like this? You would know it because of this. What is the world of your future that you're living in look like when you know you're beloved to yourself? I don't know. I think the only thing that that I can think of is just like being held in my little blankie when I was a kid. Like that feeling of like complete security. You know, I have a, a lot of codependency things that I'm also working on in therapy because of this i have always felt like there was somebody else that would make me love myself that mm-hmm. would make me feel love so much so that i would love myself mm-hmm. and i found you 
And what I have realized is like we found each other not only to express ourselves and love each other and have a beautiful family, but to also like figure out how to really love ourselves. Yeah. And I, I think that that might be part of like your therapy, but I really hit like a, a brick wall. Cause I'm like, yes, I'm ready. I understand all the whys. I'm here. Yeah. Oh, but why can't it sink in? But but why can't I just (sighs) feel it? I get it. And that is what you mean about when you say earlier, when you were saying like, it is a great strategy to protect yourself and keep yourself alone by making sure that you are dreaming into the other people's version of what they can be. Yes. Because as long as they are failing to meet your standards you've set for them, it will always be about them. Yeah. It will never be about you. So now you're in this relationship where you're like, I've set all these highest of hopes and you and our relationship are meeting them. And yet I still have this thing. Well, that's the absolute beauty of getting everything you've ever wanted is that you figure out that it didn't do it. That is the absolute gift of our relationship, is that we thought that we were going to save each other. But what happened is that you studied the boat enough for me to feel safe enough to save myself. And I studied the boat enough for you to feel like you were steady enough to save yourself. Mm -hmm. Because I mean, I remember when we first got together and you were like, I don't think you're going to have to take your meds anymore. (laughs) I was like, Oh, isn't she going to be surprised about a year? But it is, it is such a gift to, it's terrifying. It's a terrifying gift to get what you want and have it not fix everything. And realize that it's all up to you. And we're going to come back in the next episode and and talk more about this. But what I think you just did is I think that you think that you just revealed your dark personal situation. Mm -hmm. And I think what you just did more beautifully than I've ever seen anyone do it and more honestly and more crystal clear is that you just revealed the human condition. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. What you did is reveal with unbelievable beauty, the human condition of why can't we love ourselves and what did the world do to us to put us in this situation? Yeah. I thought it was absolutely stunning and if there's something wrong with you, then that's the thing that's wrong with all of us. And and the, you're more advanced because you've identified it. Right. I'm sitting here this whole time being like, wow, she got to the place where she knows that. I've never even asked myself that question if I love myself. Yeah. It's about all of us. So thank you, babe. You're so beautiful. It was, wow. <laughs> Pod Squad, some of what we share with you on the show are our individual unique experiences in therapy and the takeaways that help us grow, appreciate each other, and navigate this beautiful life we're doing together. Thank you for doing it with us. 
But the things we talk about in therapy itself, these are things we wouldn't necessarily share with just anyone. I think there are a few things more important than finding the right person to share your deepest thoughts, feelings, and questions with, like a therapist. That's why we are thrilled about Alma's support of our show. They're big believers that you need the right someone to talk to, not just anyone. Alma helps you to find a therapist who gets you based on your needs, someone with whom you'll feel comfortable, heard, secure. Plus, and this shouldn't be overlooked, over 96% of therapists at Alma accept insurance because you want to pick someone based on the right fit, not just based on finances. You can browse their directory now. You don't even need to create an account. Visit helloalma.com slash hard things to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com slash hard things. I'm just imagining you for your whole life. I'm envisioning it and I'm going to keep thinking about it. The Abby that has access, no matter what's happening, no matter what anger, no matter what conflict, no matter what relationship she's in, to always be able to return to the touch tree inside of you, of you secure under that blanket, and that you will always, always have access to that. Yeah. That's what I that's what I want. Yeah. I think that this goes to part of what we were talking about earlier, too. It's like that's what I was trying to create my whole life while creating the madness here and the insanity. I was trying to be okay and I was doing it incorrectly. <laughs> I was managing it wrong. I was drinking. I, you know, you were managing exactly as you needed to. Yeah. You were right. Yeah. You were right that you couldn't bring the needs to your house. You were right that you couldn't bring yourself to church. You were right that you couldn't bring your full self to the sports world. You were right. Yeah. It's just that now you're suddenly in a place in your life, in your mental health, in your family, where you might not have to use those things anymore. But you did have to. It got you to where you are now. You were taking care of yourself. But how will I find out for my for myself once and for all? Like, what will be the thing? What is the way? I want to, I'll do anything. So, Pod Squad will be back next with The Way. <laughs> See you next time. If this podcast means something to you, it would mean so much to us if you'd be willing to take 30 seconds to do these three things. First, can you please follow or subscribe to We Can Do Hard Things? Following the pod helps you because you'll never miss an episode and it helps us because you'll never miss an episode. To do this, just go to the We Can Do Hard Things show page on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, or wherever you listen to podcasts, and then just tap the plus sign in the upper right-hand corner or click on follow. This is the most important thing for the pod. While you're there, if you'd be willing to give us a five-star rating and review and share an episode you loved with a friend, we would be so grateful. We appreciate you very much. We Can Do Hard Things is produced in partnership with Cadence 13 Studios. I give you Tish Melton and Brandy Carlisle. I walked through fire, I came out the other side. I chased desire, 
Some place.